me and Tete and Riza are going to be talking about Sun, which is one of the adaptations of the Superman mythos. Specifically, we're going to be talking about Riza and Tete's reaction to the movie. And I think Riza's the only one who has actually watched the whole movie. But Tete has, has actually watched an adaptation of the comic as a movie. And I think there are some minor differences between the animated movie and the cartoon version, like the animated version. But in general, they have a lot of similar, I think. Yeah, it's pretty very similar. Like, there are some minor differences between the movie and the comics, though. But overall, though, the whole storyline, though, from start to finish, is pretty much the same from volume one to volume three. Which I do recommend, though, because it is a very interesting myth, but a very interesting concept that uh, Superman, instead of being raised in Kansas, in Kansas, United States, he was raised in uh, Ukraine and in Russia during during the start of the cold of the Cold War, and this is literally start after uh, the end of World War II as well. Yes, definitely, it is such a fascinating, mm -hmm, right. uh, such a fascinating juxtaposition, you know, of this concept. Like most people think, um, you know, you know what I mean. Superman's usually like a, an American cultural icons so try to reimagine that and imagine what would it be like like if he had if if instead you know the space pod had landed in you know ukraine instead of kansas you know what would be the uh, rippling consequences and effects thereof and you know would this um political and social order you know influence or differentiate this version of superman from the you know mild-mannered Clark Kent of Kansas. <clears throat> well, the general differentiations of like the time where he's actually raised, but at heart he's still kind of like the same. It's just that his views and opinions that are very different because he, and because again he's born in a commun in a communist yeah um nation instead of like a capitalism. True, true. Compared yeah. But, mm -hmm. but other than that, though, in the comics, there's actually, it makes a, it also makes a lot of call. Oh. Oh, connection problem? Hey, Sorry about that. Hey, hey, are you back? Sorry about that. Sorry though. about that. There was a connection problem. Yeah, it happened on my end too, but I'm but don't worry, I'm fine. But awesome. yeah, but yes, that even the but yes, the comp the storyline of Red Sun does make a lot of callbacks to uh, Superman's Golden Age, uh, a Golden Age persona during during his heyday, where he's basically all about saving lives, though. But at the same, but the one thing you got to consider though, he's doing it on the side of Russia instead of the side of the United States because and during the time when Russia during the time when uh Joseph Stalin discovered him that it to be you know basically someone who is basically given with almighty power and might he basically took him in and basically tried to make him like the gold standard boy to represent Russia true but which during that time though but uh, the United States and um, 
the United States and <clears throat> and Russia were basically going at each other for the arms race, though. But now replace they did, but now replace the arms race itself with like as the comic books did, it goes to say the superhuman race. Basically, now everyone is trying to make to make their own Superman, and um, a lot a lot of the things that that goes on it that and a lot of things that does happen that it is you see familiar characters that you know in it in the original Superman mythos like like Lois Lane, Lex Luthor, Jimmy Olsen, like they're all still there, but now their roles are like completely different as well though. Like, like Lois Lane is married like Lois Lane is married to Lex Luthor, but their marriage is um very off to say the least. Like it, like if this was the it, like if it took place in the modern times though, Lois Lane would have divorced it divorced him right then and there. But this is during the nineteen fifties where getting a divorce was a still a big no no. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It was. Right. I didn't I know that it. about Lois Lane also being in this um alternative universe. Actually, we were talking about me and Tete. We were talking about how it seems like Mishka or you know this version of Clark. It seems like he doesn't have a love interest, and we assumed that the only kind of love interest he has is Vetlana, right? Who dies in the movie? At Lan- least. Yeah, Lana, or at least Lana. Le- but it like uh, Lana in the original comics that he was mostly um, in the original comics and any or any storyline though she's always um, Clark Kent's childhood friend like even his own childhood sweetheart like with it like when you look at his original crush of anything though you would see basically um, that it like Lana was always like the first person that that would be his childhood crush though but and in this universe. But, uh, but in this universe, though, they still don't get together. Uh, they still don't get together, though. And the main difference between the movie and in the comic, though, is that Lana actually gets a different job. Then it gets a different job, though, whereas in the movie, and minor spoilers, and minor spoilers is um she di- she dies from from being inside of one of the concentration camps in Russia, um. which it yeah. Which in the movie, this is what broke Superman, though. Whereas in the comics, <clears throat> it's more of like that people from the inside was like tearing him, tearing him apart. Like people that are from mm. the that are from the <clears throat> people from the inside of the Soviet Union, like his like his brother, like his um, half brother. I forgot his name. God, I forgot his name already. Ra- I think Raz Razlov something. Yeah, Raz- yeah, Razlov Vlad- Vladimir, who was um, yeah. who was um Stalin's illegitimate son, who just took him in. Mm. Yeah, yeah, I think but, he was head of KGB, I guess. Yeah, he was. A, yeah, he was in charge. Of, yeah, he was in charge of the Russia's secret police force, and at, during that. But even still, like in the comic, but even so, even though technically they are brothers, because Stalin basically said, "You're my son, and you're my son," but Stalin basically just spoiled um, Superman, like that, almost like he is the prodigal son, which would, which would make anyone mm-hmm. jealous in any way, though. 
for that. I, I was sort of seeing that in the, um, mm -hmm. I, sort of, I sort of saw that in the motion stop comic where, you know, he's, he's actually voicing his, um, you know, he's, he's voicing his discontent and, and his anger and resentment. And he's also describing too, how he killed, um, I guess this version's incarnation of, of Bruce Wayne who turns into Batman. So it was more of a, you know, your standard Stalinist purge thing where Bruce's parents, uh, which I don't know his name in this Russian version, uh, his parents get killed, like, you know, so many people in, you know, Stalinist purges. So instead of Bruce Wayne's parents getting killed by random criminals, um, you know, in the street, um, you know, his parents are shot right in his own home. And, you know, this, uh, and I think, I think Razalov uh, maims this kid. And I mean, I guess that's why that kid turns into, you know, Soviet Batman. <laughs> yeah, which everyone could say, uh, basically say that uh, this version of Batman, or at least the one in Red Sun, is probably the most dangerous one out of them all. Out of them all, he is. He's not afraid to take no prisoners, no bars hold. This is a Batman that's truly terrifying and won't even stop at, you know, domestic terrorism to get his point across and his point done. Mm -hmm. How about Superman in this universe? Would you guys say that he's also one of the most dangerous versions or not dangerous? He is still one of the most dangerous though, but I would still say the Injustice, but I would still say the Injustice version of Superman is still the most dangerous one though, in terms of like not only political power, but also because of how far he has gone. Definitely, but, this version's terrifying. But, but as a whole character though, I still prefer the Red Sun, I still prefer the Red Sun Superman because in the comic, though, you do see a very deep dive into his character, though. Like, even though technically he has done a lot of horrible things, though, because even th he still views himself like he's still a hero to not only to himself, but also to all the people, though. But even still, when it didn't, even though he still idolizes himself as a hero, though, not everyone sees it that way, though. That's true. I think a lot of people call him, I mean, how do I say, from what I've seen, certain people call out the regime and what he's um, basically championing for, because uh, there's there's one scene, uh, at least in the animated one I saw, where um, Lois Lane, you know, I guess she wants to get an interview with him, and I guess it's sort of a clandestine meeting they have, and uh, she actually shows him files that reveal... Uh, the truth about Stal Stalin's gulags and such. And, you know, I guess that's what leads to him finding about uh, Svetlana and, uh, you know, the whole the whole uh, downward spiral from therein, at least in the mm -hmm. animated version. That is true, though. And, again, <clears throat> one of the bigger, deeper dives that I kind of do like, though, is basically Superman's perspective, though, of how... Even though technically he's still, even though he's still technically a superhero, though he's still kind of grounded in reality. Though, like he feels like he has to do these things. Though, like he still has to sit interview. He likes to. He has to save the world. He has to save it, or at least put down rebellions. That when he has to, though, because then and now he's basically in charge of the country. And as the story unfolds, because he's basically the new dictator. The new dictator after he. 
then they kill Stalin in the movie, though. But in the comics, though, he, that did not happen. So what happens With, to Stalin in the comic? Because I didn't get to that part. Did it. Uh, Stalin suffered through a cyanide, did it, cyanide poison, though, which was very similar to how he died in real life. I mm, see. More in with reality, so it's not quite the laser blast we got in the movie. Although, even though that, I mean, that was. Kind it, of yeah. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, and the minute, yeah, which was the, one of the brutal things I did see in the movie, though, which I had to say a lot, and a lot of people actually do agree about this, though, because they they say it's a better way to go for him than how he dies in real life and how he dies in the comics as well. Because in the comic, it was his own officers that did him in. And uh, Superman did, was not know about this, but still, they, they, they were just gone because they basically said, Stop, there's Chris Allen, like, there's Chris Allen, he needs to go. But then they mm-hmm. realized, oh, you know, oh, God, he's next. And mm-hmm. when you, you have to deal with Superman, that's not a good idea, though. So, and All some of them. Farm is already bought. Everyone can go home. <laughs> you would think, you would think that would be the case, but exactly. no. No, it's uh, more like you know, sign your final will and you know, leave the country. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it seems like Superman in this incarnation is closest to Tete's favorite version of him, which is the Golden Age Superman. Uh, so can you guys delineate what makes him so similar to the golden age version of him, which is, I believe, the original version, right? From the 30s to the 50s? Yes. Yep. I'll let Ryan go. Yeah. But it, it does call back because it, uh, it does a lot of callbacks, though, because uh, not only in terms of, like, the story arc, but also because of the art style as well. Like, uh, if you look at the art style in the comics, though, they look very similar to that of the original comic, to the original comics that in during the 1920s and even the ones in 1930s as well. And uh, there's even some comment page, page panels, which unfortunately I can't show because my this stupid computer is on the fritz. There's actually some callback covers to uh, the original covers of the comics as well, but now they're actually changed differently. Like one of the original callbacks was ha- was uh, Lex Luthor having orange hair because in the original story, he, he, Lex Luthor was a redhead, but then after a fatal act, but after a little accident with Superman, he lost all of his hair and became bald and became the Lex Luthor that we all know and love. Well, mm-hmm. love is pointed. Well, love is pointing it mildly. I guess um, the the villain that we all know within canon and love or hate you know personally i i like the foil that luther poses to superman in any carnation um uh, i've even liked the recent one in the snyderverse i know a lot of people ragged on it but honestly seeing snyder's cut it was good and i i thought you know this this luther is a ticking time bomb crazy kid i know very different from golden age but anyway luther is uh interesting interesting opposition because um, I, I guess somebody once summed it up that most of the time Superman is a god trying to be a man while Lex Luthor is a man trying to be a god, essentially. Mm-hmm. So it's inversed. It's inversed. And that's what makes it so interesting and compelling, you know, at, at least for me. And, um, and, and uh, Rise is Right, uh, the art style 
really does evoke uh, golden age, which is, you know, for me, it's, it's peak design because it's just so nice, original, retro. It really gives you that, that feel of what originally, you know, Clark's last was supposed to be. Um, and, you know, I think, I think also the um, inherent core of that moral compass as well, you know, and then uh, that's always been, and also too, I, I think, um, you know, I think aside from a few things that do happen from what I saw of different spoilers, it's, it's, um, it's, it's more focused on the, on the social aspect than, you know, say one arch nemesis or, you know, a particular arc or anything taken from whatever came uh, after, you know, you know, in and after Silver Age. Mm, right. Silver Age is more, I guess, more t typical, um, you know, superhero fair, fair, right? So, for example, there's a big supervillain and it feels more like a, you know, what you typically think of when you hear the word superhero, right? Definitely. It's Pretty definitely, much. Yeah, yeah. Is it a bit yeah, more like we, Avengers? No, it was more of like the villain, the whole villain of the week thing. Like one week, um, like one week have to, like Superman has to stop like Luthor or even Brainiac or even Darkseid though. it punches them, saves the day, rescue Lois Lane, that call the day. And that was a, that a nice twenty, and that was a nice ten cents to, to spend on, because comics, that cause comics was cheap that day, cheap, cheap back in the day, or at least today back in the day. I mean, at least in our standards, they look cheap back in the day, but to them, that is spending ten cents is like spending like a dollar. That's true, and that's true. Yeah, not too bad. I mean, and you know, you have to think about it. It's, it's such a popular art form of media. You know, and I think, you know, like I said, a lot of a lot of quest questionable comic art. But, you know, when you look at different ones that have really surpassed the the quality that we expect, it, it can be very beautiful art form that really expresses the human form and thought and condition in a very beautiful way that I don't think cinema can capture or um, any other form of media. You know, I guess this is why a lot of cinematic adaptations fall flat or they have to take a very different route. Um, to get points across, and many times it gets lost in translation pretty badly sometimes. Mm -hmm. Which is one of the major problems of the DC Cinematic Universe, though, because some parts work and some parts don't not, though. That's true. They're flawed. They're flawed works. I mean, you know, I guess for me, I, I wasn't, I guess, confession time. Originally, I never wanted to see any of them. And the weird thing is the only reason I went to, to see them, like the, the whole trilogy thing, like Man of Steel, Batman versus Superman, Dawn of Justice, and um, the Snyder Cut of Justice League was the fact that I had seen um, The Witcher. I loved uh, Cavell's uh, performance as Geralt, and I thought, I'm going to take a wild chance and see how good these are. And I enjoyed them. They were flawed. They missed out on a lot of original concepts. But I think to try to fit it in for a modern audience that may not embrace the comics or know the comics... I think it did a very good job. Plus the chemistry with the actors worked well. So I think that's its carrying merits despite the flaws with its lore and, you know, conveying character. And, and at times, sometimes the pacing, which can feel a little whiplash or the re reinvention of, of certain characters, which, which I, I thought, you know, worked pretty well. If you want to think about creating something for, like I said, a modern audience that isn't as invested in the, in, in the whole lore and mythos of it all. That makes sense, right? 
which how about, um, for yes, go ahead. Sorry. Which again, this is why one of the reasons why I there's some parts I do like about the DC Cinematic Universe, but there's also some things where I don't like about it though, because they expect a lot of people going in already to know a lot about the comics. So, which about when you take the aspect ratio though, about twenty percent do know about the whole comic book aspect though, and only uh, whopping eighty percent that don't. Like you got to be a hardcore fan to know. Which is which? That's true. And That's if, true. Mm-hmm. And if you don't, then a lot of these things that are that they're actually showing and even referencing, though, a lot of these are just gonna like go over your head, and you're just gonna be like, "What?" That's true. I think mm-hmm. I think a lot of people went what and. I guess that's why sometimes in theatrical cuts they they cut out things that explain things a lot more or at least added more to me more character characterization nuance because I, I think it was I like to treat them as a sort of a new animal because it's, it's it's a lot of things are just so different it'll give you whiplash like for example um you know the personalities of Clark and Lois are so different. It just literally gave me whiplash and I wasn't going to embrace it at first, but then the more I saw it, the more I thought, well, I I think it's beautifully done. It's very different from any canon. It's, you know, definitely the opposite of golden age. It's very different than anything we encountered in silver or modern age. But I, to me, the chemistry worked beautiful uh, between the actors and I was satisfied with that. I I, I thought, well, I'm just going to consider this as a very strange bizarre AU that really works and I think captures the quintessential you know bond you know even Mm -hmm. if it's different it's it's still quintessential um but I I think but when you think about it on the larger scale with all the different layers and compositions and everything each character and their mythos and how that ties in it's 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 a cracked pillar it's a flawed masterpiece it has huge flaws but there are things, like you said, there are parts that do work. And I think we just, you know, for me, I just, I just embrace it because it, at least it's something that has added to the mythos rather than uh, detract it. Now that people have been able to see like director's cuts and not deal with the really bad, bad theatrical cuts. Mm-hmm. The only one that I would consider like the actual best one. And I still stand by it though, because I still haven't seen all the DC cinematic universe. So, and it's the original one. And that's the Wonder Woman movie by uh, Gal Gadot. I love that. And I'm, 2017, so good. yeah. So good. I, went to, yeah. I went to movie theaters and saw that movie. It was good. Perfect. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That was handled nicely. Not going to lie. Yeah. Not going to lie. That was handled very nicely. Just building up the lore and the, the mythos. And, you know, also involving a bit of, um, you know, history in it. That was handled so nicely. I mean that's probably their best one. And I just feel like nothing will match up to that. Um, everything else is just kind of on shaky ground. Um, but, you know, I, I did, I did, I did enjoy the, I did kind of enjoy like what people call the tri- trilogy. Um, probably, probably out of all of them, probably enjoying Batman versus Superman, probably more than the other two. Probably. Really? I thought Maybe. you liked, um, man of steel the most well you know the problem with man of steel is that i did enjoy it a lot the only problem was number one was pacing number one was twisting the plot around and number two i wanted a little bit of more warmth from clark because he was so inundated with angst and Mm. 
you know, morosity and I, I wanted more, just a little bit more, you know, cheer, a little bit more warmth. I mean, there were moments like that, but so much of it was angsting and, you know, made me think, why did that come to be? And I thought, well, I think it's because the world, the world that it's like, Superman stands for optimism and hope. I mean, honestly, kind of an icon of hope punk, if you will. But mm -hmm. the world has, has turned against that. And what do you do when a world forces you not to be that anymore? You become uh, inundated in, in existential angst and doubt and um, existentialism. And uh, it will take a darker, more morose tone um, and desaturated, if you will, um, but I mean, I will say like after Batman versus Superman, I do, I do love Man of Steel because at the end, at the 11th hour, if you will, it all comes together very neatly. Um, it's just the rest from beginning and everything, just the pacing was just so winding and winding and winding. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I would have liked to have seen just, just inject a little bit more cheer and a little bit more pizzazz, you know, give us, give us what makes, you know, Clark sparkle, sparkle like a sign to linings firework um and um i did enjoy batman versus superman because we saw a lot of anger and a lot of uh rage and doubt and then you know a bit of a sort of a sad conclusion of um i don't know just um the the very the very wonderful theme of self-sacrifice and um i guess justice league gave us this this thing of um rebirth and i think it was handled very nicely in snyder cut um I'm not, Whedon's version, there were so many problems with it. Some of the dialogue was a little bit better, but some of it did feel like it was trying to be too much Marvel, which, no, it does not work. You know, <laughs> at least in my, that's just my humble two cents. Admit it. I mean, you're not that wrong, though, because basically with the original uh, Sweeney version of Justice League, though, because they're basically trying to catch up with uh, Marvel, with their cinematic universe, and... Um, and they're, they're basically, they're trying to catch up with the Avengers, though. But the, they did, but honestly, the main difference between, um, with Avengers and Justice League, though, is that with Marvel, they actually had time to actually build up all these characters, though. True. And how they, each, and how they reference each other and how they're all going to cross over to each other, though. While here, they kind of don't. They kind of just rush everything in. They did make sure that, they kind of just rushed everything and make sure that like all of it would make still like all of it would make sense that it out it anyway. But again, that's kind of the problem of it though. Like they're just rushing a bit while not letting us get to know these characters, having us a deep dive on them and understanding who they are and how and why we should care about them though. That's honestly the big problem that I still see with DC is that they're still kind of rushing things. I, I feel the same way too. I, I especially felt that in Justice League. I felt whiplash at every moment, even in the Snyder Cut, which is like four and a half hours and it felt very epic. I still feel if you didn't if you didn't have quite a healthy dose of comic knowledge, you were just getting whiplash right and left. And you know, sometimes the transitions of scenes weren't all that um gradual or gentle, you know, like first we have one scene of this happening and then this happens and then you know you're trying to keep up and uh it uh it becomes confusing i mean i th i feel like the conclusion was was okay and satisfying um 
and I, I enjoyed it. You know, I, I was glad for the whole rebirth thing. And I, and I did love in the Snyder cut, the, the black and silver suit, which is my favorite. Cause I feel it's more, you know, symbolic and it kind of harkens back to, um, uh, the 1992 comic where there is that rebirth and we do get the black and silver suit minus though the weird 90s mullet which i mean i don't mind but it wouldn't work in today it would not work yeah it would not work though because the last thing i think because um i because it will not work like the original comic of how superman and doomsday go down each other though it it, it would not work it in like um in the cinematic universe like it just would not no no it wouldn't as much as it would have been fun to see Val in a mullet <laughs> <laughs> to go back to red sun how do you guys find um the cinematic universe compared to the red sun do you think the red sun is easier to get into for people who don't have comic knowledge yes for me that it, yes it does though like if you're just going to watch it like uh, one of those what is storylines that that you're going and you just want to like sit down and just watch and see for what it is though because like i said it does touch upon a lot of aspects of the comics though but it never just like fully says it though like mm -hmm. it's very it's pretty much a good beginning middle and end though like it's basically just a what if storyline of for superman and everything else and for what it is <clears throat> true it's more mm -hmm. of a it's a very it's very condensed and i think it removed a lot of elements that are very telling of a lot of things and more more of the i guess political nuances as well from what i've seen you know because it does give you this the comic itself does give you this dread of you know stalinist extremist totalitarian regimes and and the nuances that go on with that um you know the uh inner terror of it all meanwhile with red sun the animated version I guess it's more it's more focused on the um, inner downward spiral of Soviet Superman himself, um, and you know, like I said, I think it's easier for newcomers to digest that um, because it's 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 you know A, B, and C. Um, but I think it does I think it does a very good job. I mean, um, honestly, out of all the things I've seen animated uh, by DC. Um, I really like the style because some of the animated stuff, while the style is relatively good and, you know, pretty solid, um, I've never really liked much of any of um, Superman's designs. But in this one, I, I thought it was done nicely because, like, again, like Riza pointed out, it's hearkening to uh, Golden Age. Um, I mean, I know it looks kind of like the, the standard animation style, but it, it's still, you know, going to Golden Age. And uh, I think I'll stand by it that I think I find... Um, Red Sun Superman, maybe the most attractive animated uh, Superman, right after um, the Fleischer animated serials of the 40s. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I kind of definitely agree with that, though. But it, and again, I really, but it, I really do like this aspect of you know, because the film. And even though you guys are, haven't already seen it, though, you do see like a deep dive into a deep dive into Clark's character, though, or as you call Mishka or Michael, if I'm, if I'm reading the translation correctly, though, like it's <laughs> roughly translated. It is. Yeah. 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 Because it basically translates it, because it basically shows that uh, both aspects of the original, 
but of the original comic though, but also taking some new twist on it though, like uh, seeing the horrors that, that that Lex Luthor is like uh, one of the things that, that we see is um, meeting Bizarro in this universe, which uh, I'm not sure you guys seen it though, but Superior <clears throat> Man, right? Yeah, or at least it's called Superior Man in this version though. But um, yeah, that's pretty terrifying. What happens to him? Like, because I, I did see that fight between you know. Soviet, you know, Red Sun, you know, well, Superman, we'll call him, and Superior Man. That was pretty terrifying what happens to Superior Man. I feel like it's an allegorical warning for not only human experimentation, but I don't know, I guess the horrors of messing around with the radiation stuff. Mm -hmm. Pretty much because Luther, because if you look at, because if you look both in the film and even in the comic of Red Sun, though, Luther. Does not hold anything back because, boy, is he pretty much a... He is pretty much a huge douche. Because, he, because he's very much obsessed with, like, taking down Superman no matter what. And no no matter what cost, you know. And that's how Luther's always been. Um, and, um, yeah, so that, that was pretty, pretty terrifying. I didn't see it... Um, in the comic yet but the animated version was pretty uh quite a quite a punch like um hmm, yeah we should put that as a pg-13 rating you know <laughs> like i said this is one of the big main major difference between the between the comic and the film and in the comic version though but in the comic version bizarre superior man or bizarro in the comic he's basically just that a manufactured version and he looks basically as he does in the original comic, but he's still like sculpted to still look like, kind of look like um, Clark in the, but unlike, um, unlike how he dies in the, in the film, which is so horrifying to see, honestly, like even though it's a pretty 13 film that it like, it was so horrifying to see him just melting away just like that, like, ugh. <laughs> it was terrifying. <laughs> well, well, <laughs> well, in the comic version, it, it, where he, he basically stole uh, stopped the Superman, but also he also saved a lot of people, though, because one of the things they also tried to do, though, was basically hey, have him fight on his home turf near a nuclear nuclear power plant. And uh, uh. instead of like, and uh, when one of the radi radiation reactors were about to, about to go off, Superman was about to do it, though, but then Bizarro literally froze him. And then took the reactor himself and actually sacrificed himself to take it out. That's actually pretty nice. Like, I mean, what I don't want to say like nice, like, oh, I'm glad that happened. No, but I mean, I think that was more of a deep character thing for Superior Man um, slash Bizarro than what we saw in the, I mean, because like in the film, it was very condensed and like, you know, and it kind of simplified him to like this um, irritating fighting machine. Um, but this one that you've described, I mean, it almost seems like a, a schism, a duality in a way, a duality of the other half gaining uh, the original uh, desires of, of, of what, you, you know what I mean, of, of, of that kind of significance. It pretty much shows that, that even though Bizarro was basically just like an experimentation, he still wants to be like the ideal superhero, though. But it, or at least on the American side, because even though, but, it, but even though, 
even though that it, um, Clark was committed, could have done something about it as well. Though he kind of, kind of took a hit about about it though, not like emotionally, but more of his um, more of like his image. Like it's gonna make me look bad because I didn't do that. But at the same time, though, Clark was still going on this uh, rampage. He was still like taking taking over as like the new dictator of Russia and um, going through his totalitarianism throughout Russia and uh, throughout the world, mostly to basically have him uh, and have everything underneath his one banner. And as he basically sees it, he's trying to save the world, but really in a way he's just taking over the world. And he was mm-hmm. pretty much blinded to that for throughout the whole comic until the third volume, which True. I am not, which I am not going to spoil though, because that is actually something you guys kind of have to experience for yourself when you actually do like mm. pick up a copy of it. So. I will. I yes, I will. I, I, I am going to probably buy the comic soon. And also, you know, Tete has ordered the DVD, right? Um, has it come I yet? We're probably yes, going to stream it together. I, yeah. I oh, you have it already? I, yes, I do. In fact, let me get it real quick here. One sec. Because I have it with all my other PCU. Stuff. Oh, that's awesome. We can watch it soon then. You got it. It came. Yeah, awesome. It's hard to find. Make sure, you, make sure you prepare the snacks because it is a long movie. Yeah, it is. How long that's is it? Fun. Is it three hours? Um, no, wait. How much? It's 84 minutes, which oh. probably, you know what I mean? One hour and 24. Yeah, because compared to, say, other things like you see from these things, usually those things are like an hour or 45 minutes. So this is kind of double the time of your average DC animated thing. Mm, At least the ones I've seen. I haven't really delved that much into DC animated stuff aside from um, mostly exclusively Superman stuff because I... Uh, that's just that's just my favorite out of the whole DC thing. Cause I, I mean, don't get me wrong, I do like a lot of things from DC, but Superman will always be my top fave. And sometimes I only like to see Batman in the context of um, duking it out with uh, Superman. I like to see two gentlemen of opposition, uh, opposing moral inclinations, uh, rival and compete and argue with each other. Uh, you've probably seen that. You've seen that in my work with Andre and Kierka. That's true. <laughs> For that, you're gonna have to watch the original. For that, you're gonna have to watch the um, the what was it? the the Dark Knight Return. The Dark Knight Return uh, by God, by Frank Miller. Oh, did okay. So do do um, in that do Superman and Batman duke it out? Yeah, that's what uh, Batman v Superman is actually loosely based off. I say loosely though because it's pretty much the Dark Knight Returns though because. In that comic book, though, Batman returns it as an old man, though. But instead of actually trying to do what he can to stop, just, stop crying, though, he's taking, he's kind of taking like uh, what the other corrupt Superman, though, by taking the law into his own hands and actually basically breaking the criminals that he ever uh, that he fights in the streets. And wow. and yeah, and uh, it's it gets brutal, like I. Like it is not for the faint of hearts to watch, mm. or or let alone read. It's basically like very condensed and read of like how Batman, like even though he's so old, he still feels like he needs to be Batman. 
That's true. Batman will always mm -hmm. be Batman. <laughs> and it's actually, I am Batman, you know. And it's actually split into two parts, though, because boy, is it long. Yeah, I'm going to have to check that out. That's another on my reading list. It sounds pretty dark. It sounds like it should be under DC's black label almost. <laughs> I mean, it's a dark storyline, especially for how they they also animated this, um, the almost eight, I think it was eight, eight, eight volumes. Actually, oh, how many yeah. volumes? When I returns. Yeah, that's me. Yeah. Two guys mm -hmm. moral inclinations. I thought that was Kai and Andre before Kai got defeated, right? He got no, kicked out. No, it's not Kai anymore. It's Kirka and Andre. How about Joel and Andre? Joel and Andre? No, nah, because Andre, Andre loves Joel too much. You know, he thinks of him like his little brother. Sam, Sam, oh. Sam and Joel. Sam and Joel, that would be funny. I, I can already have that. Wait a minute. <laughs> Superman like, versus like, Batman. That was Joel. Because it looks cool and gets a car. <laughs> and Joel already looks a little bit like Superman. So, hey, if they want to cosplay. And Malka yeah, would, would be make funny. Oh, that would be really funny oh, to have in The Sims. We need to do that. So Sam's Batman. Uh, Joel's Superman. And Malka can be... Um, can be a Lois Lane. Yes. Yes. <laughs> and Sam is a pink Batman. <laughs> Black and gray. Mobile, right? He's got a pink mm -hmm. mobile carrier jet. Oh, yep. Oh, found it. You know, that took a while. Oh no, that's okay. But, uh, so, yeah. So the, it's a four issue. Yeah. So it's a four issue comic, though slightly. Slightly longer than Red Sun, but still pretty. Yeah, still pretty good though. Like I highly recommend it. Mm -hmm. I'm definitely going to check it out. That's next. Definitely. Yeah. yeah. There's a lot to talk about, and this is only the first episode of our discussions on Red Sun and Superman in general. I think our next episode about Red Sun will take place after you and I watch the movie for the first time. It could be like a reaction to you know what we thought about the movie. You know, after we watched yeah. it for the first time, I, I do. Movie I do, guy. I do, I do have like a. I do have like have one more pressing question because Ryza read the comic. I know that he was um, raised on a collective farm in Ukraine. Is there any mention of the people that raised him, like Earth parents? Like, do we have any Soviet version of Jonathan and Martha Kent, um, or do we not? I actually, you actually did ask, did ask me this before, though, but sadly, the answer is. No, we do not, though, because Aww. as I mentioned before, he's because he landed on a Ukrainian farm field, though, which during that time, during that time when Ukraine was falling underneath the influence of Russia during the during the form of the Soviet Union, though, a lot of the a lot of the villages there are mostly just farm villages, but not by choice, by force, though, because true, true. They, because there was because from what I read about during Russia's revolution though or the many revolutions it had though because they actually had mm -hmm. during the influence of the Tsar they had um, Ukraine as one of the many countries that are mostly in charge of farm as most mostly in charge of farms because the mm -hmm. soil there is rich, rich but is the main problem yeah. but the main problem though was that there was a huge famine going on though yeah. as well with Baltimore yeah. 
which killed about, I believe, about 60% of the population, though. But during that time, both the Tsar and even Stalin still didn't care. They basically said, just keep growing more crops, though. And exactly. just keep working, though. Yeah, I mean, southern Russia and Ukraine always getting screwed. That's something I, um, Fortunus Games here has seen. I've explored that um, pretty thoroughly with Andre's story because he's a Cossack from southern Russia on the Ukraine border. So, yeah, he's seen things get definitely screwed, especially not only with, like, the famine and the forced farming and collectivism, but also the really brutal um, decossification um, policies that were brutally enforced uh, right mm -hmm. in the height of the revolution. Right. So I guess for Jonathan and Martha, like, we don't really know who raised him. It's just that he was in the village then, right? He was just in a village and he was just helped the farmers out. But when people discovered, but when um, Clark at the time discovered his powers, he was then taken in by Joseph Stalin, who mm -hmm. basically took over not too long after uh, Vladimir Lenin fell from, fell from power after an illness. But Mm -hmm. With the only time the comic only mentions it is basically he died the same way as he did in real life, and that was just it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but you're not, you're yeah. Really, you really can't alter too much on Lenin because Lenin's Lenin died. was just a psycho. Lenin was just a psycho, just plain and simple, though. Yeah, exactly. You know, just yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. Crazy, crazy, ugly mess, horrifying <laughs> mess, and uh, that's very true. Yeah. yeah. So this was an amazing episode. And, you know, guys, thank you so much for coming on and having this really great discussion about Superman and Red Sun. I can't wait to read more about, you know, Superman's mythos and definitely dive into the movie with Tete once we start watching it. I'm so pumped for it. Me too. I am so pumped for it too. I also want to see how many cranberries we can find in this, you know, cranberries meaning how many things did they get wrong about Russian culture? Cause I know, right? <laughs> one of my exams is um, studying Russian culture and the nuances of it because there's different regions, not just northern Moscow. There's the south, mm -hmm. which is very different, you know, so. And how many Cold War stereotypes can they put into? Exactly. Another cranberry, Cold War stereotype, you know. Mm -hmm. I mean, that basically is what any type of, uh, any type of media that tries to display is about the Cold War, like, Basically, they didn't, like Russia and the United States never wants to work to each other, so they basically made a bunch of proxy wars, though. Exactly. But, mm -hmm. Yeah. More pop culture wars. <laughs> <laughs> right. Thank you so much for coming on again, Riza. Thank you. We really yeah. enjoyed your, we valued your input and your insight and knowledge. Thank you so much. Thank you for the Rex and... Thank you for your explanation. It was an honor to have you here. And thank you again so much. No problem, guys. And thank you guys for letting me join this podcast, though, because I actually did want to join the podcast as well, though. But I did it wanted like half the time because I did it because I'm sorry working now. But mm -hmm. it's such an honor to be on the podcast for the first time. Thank you guys so much for letting me jo join on this amazing podcast. Thank you Definitely. so much. Definitely. Yeah, thank you so much. All right. Thank you so much, everyone. Bye. Bye.